Go on a power trip during Ram Power Days going on now at Bettenhausen Ram on 159th Street in Tinley Park. There's no time like now to grab life by the horns. Your best Ram buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCDJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Welcome to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. The Hockey Show presented by the Chicago Wolves. We'll have a a couple four-packs to give away a little bit later on in the show. Brian, it's only been a week since we last did this thing, uh, but it feels like six months. How are you doing? <laughs> I texted you uh, when it was only 3 nothing last night. Yeah, with yeah. The when, it simple, was, when, it, when it was snug. <laughs> yeah, it was a simple uh, text message said, help with three exclamation marks, one for each goal. And, and I had the same feeling. It's um, And boy, when they cut to the bench later in the game, when uh, it might have been after the fifth goal, um, and you talk about lifeless, even Jeremy Carlton had one leg up on the bench and his head down. And I mean, nobody was saying anything. And I wasn't expecting any you know, fake rah-rah like Matt Nagy or anything. But if, if a picture does speak a thousand words, that was it. This, uh, this team has no answers. And uh, check all the, the the check marks for the buffet of bad early goals right away. Right, um, you know, turnovers leading to goals. Yeah, got those. Check, check. you know, hey, you short uh, shorty, you scored a shorty. Usually your 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 special teams show up, so at least you know they didn't do anything on the power play for a second game. But it's just I, I, there's so much here to have to correct and. You know, Jeremy Carlton, after each game, pretty much has a variation of the same thing. We have to do this. We have to play as a team. and uh, we got to be ready to go at the beat start. We have oh. to have more energy. I mean, and, and as you and, pointed out on the broadcast, I mean, they scored the first goal for the last five games, right? right? But reverted back to what we saw early in the season when you get a goal in the first minute. And, and you get and, two and goals like, in the first three. And four. it's the guy that they expected to be the... The number one defenseman that Ooh. had the blunder, Seth Jones, that, that, mm. that had, you know, the, the big mistake in the first minute yesterday where he falls behind his yep. check in the neutral zone and ends up with a, a Stastny goal. Um, look, it, it's just a lot of a lot of head scratching right now. They got their first win on Monday, but they blew that 3-1 second period lead to the best team in the league, Carolina, on Wednesday. And then last night it was 2 nothing before you had even poured the cocktail and the, your cheeks hit the couch. So, <laughs> look, they got one win in their first dozen games. Again, yeah, do you get went, credit for Ottawa? I guess you do. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kyle Davidson is the interim general manager. He Amber took, Alert! He took, Amber Alert! He took over for Stan Bowman just over a week ago. Anyone seen him? Uh, we, we saw him uh, at a morning skate. He's been around a little bit. He's uh, he's traveling with the team. See, here's uh, my problem. But does he have authority to make well, make make the call right now? That's that's my problem. You know, I know there's interim, but he is the ostensibly he's the guy overseeing Jeremy Carlton and his staff and the roster, right? Right. Um, is this organization paralyzed 
by the fallout from the Kyle Beach lawsuits and the Jenner and Block report. Uh, they're, they're paying, I assume they're still paying John McDonough. Uh, Stan wasn't fired, so I assume he got some parting money, probably a significant amount. Um, I, you know, I don't know if Kyle Davidson is just holding, you know, a, a seat holder. At some point, I get they can't talk about the legal issues or choosing not to, and they're not addressing any of them and making themselves available. At some point, they have to address the hockey issues. Right. Somebody has to say, tell the fan base, and dwindling as it may be, at least at the United Senate, what's going on, how it's going to get changed. You can't keep trotting this out and doing this night after night. You're going to see sub-10,000 uh, attendance at the United Center, like the days – when I used to be up in the press box counting 3,000 people in the United Center, and in case someone was in the restroom, we recounted in the third period. Um, at some point, you have to, somebody has to address the hockey part of this because yeah. it's bad and it's getting worse. You use the word, is it paralyzing what they can do on the hockey ops side? And I think initially it did, right? I mean, it's just been over a week since, you know, Kyle Beach came forward and the sexual assault. Uh, allegations were were uh, made available as far as how they were handled in the report, the Jenner Block report, and then Stan Bowman steps aside. And I, I don't think you can make a hockey move at that point. You can't fire Jeremy Colleton in the days before the report is released or after. Now we're we're. You know, week plus out, and again, it's just one victory, and we we haven't heard from Kyle yet. I think Kyle had to meet with, you know, Danny Wirtz uh, and Jamie Faulkner in the last week or so, and kind of just hear what uh, upper management is, is thinking right now. And I, I do think you're gonna you're gonna hear something from them. If if not today, I think you'll hear from them in the next few days, I, well, I would think. And, and I agree with you. Jeremy Carlton, you know, wasn't going to be fired in the during this aftermath and the immediate fallout and in all the questions and, and stories that were being written and talked about with the Kyle Beach um, cover-up lawsuits, the NHL getting involved finally. Um, but tell me about I would expect you don't fire maybe Jeremy Colleton until you hire a permanent GM or make Kyle Davidson the permanent GM and, and make sure everyone knows he now has authority to move forward. I, see, I disagree there. I, I I think what they'll do, and this, is, again, is just from my, my perch, I, I think the search is on for a president of hockey ops, and I think they're going to uh, do an exhaustive search. And I have a feeling that they're going to end up with somebody – who's outside of the organization, that would be my guess. And um, in the interim, I, I think they're going to probably give Kyle the opportunity to do what he thinks he should do to best improve the hockey team. And big decisions have to go through Danny and Rocky Wirtz, like a coaching change, but if he thinks that's in the best interest of the team right now, I think they would then turn it over to Mark Crawford. And from a financial standpoint, they wouldn't be paying out any more money. Crawford would take over, see if they get a bump from a different voice behind the bench, 
albeit a voice that is there right now. Uh, and they will continue their search for the head of hockey ops, and they'll let that person decide the general manager and the next coach. Okay, that would be I, my guess. And and that would be my guess, too, on all points. I Mark Crawford. Rumor, you know, rumored last year, right before Christmas, before they started winning, that you know that they were about to name him until they had some issues. So um, it makes sense, right? I mean, he's got the the resume says he's done it before. I want to hear that from somebody that uh, you know. Danny Wirtz talked about the exhaustive uh, search after John McDonough was let go, the nationwide search, and it turned out to be not so exhaustive and not so nationwide. So I need to hear from somebody in that building in a position of authority, what, you know, and again, I don't think Danny or Rocky are going to make themselves available because they're going to have to answer a lot of other questions before they get to the president of hockey ops. But I want to put out a statement. Tell me something that you are in fact looking for the next guy to put this all back together. Because you talked about winning championships in the statement and letters you wrote to the fans in the Blackhawks community. Well, now tell me, tell me you're actually doing something about the product on the ice because it's not, it's not passable. Where do the Hawks go from here? 312-332-3776. If you were in Danny or Rocky Wirtz's inner circle, what would your plan be? What would your pitch to the Wirtz's be to get this team back on track? Let's head to the phone lines. Rich joins us in California. Good morning, Rich. Welcome to the Hockey Show. It's Rick. I I know you do. And and I, I, (laughs) Tyler misspelled us. Sorry, sorry, Rick. (laughs) Rick. Hey, Tyler. Tyler. Two minutes in the box for me. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. Tyler's had a lot going on. I understand that. Hey, guys. um, Just wanted to say this has been, uh, man, just so disappointing. Um, Such high expectations for the way that that Blackhawks added on to um, now where they're at right now. I wonder how much of how much say did Kyle have coming into the season? Probably not a lot. I wonder how much the Blackhawks knew going into the season with what was going to happen with the whole, um, uh, you know, I'm talking about the assistant GM. I wonder how much say that he had coming into the season. Well, he was Um, VP. He was Rick. He was VP of hockey strategy and analytics. He's been with the organization for 11 years. He's 33 years of age. So look, he's worn a lot of hats. In the organization, he's been a scout. He's worked on balancing the salary cap. Again, he was part of the analytics side of things. Um, Can you play defense? <laughs> he, he might be able to play yeah. some de- I, and, and I, I also hear that he did have a voice that would at times uh, say that, you know, he did not necessarily agree with what Stan was doing, which, you know, the way things are looking of all the moves that Stan made in the offseason, uh, maybe – he was on the right side of some of these decisions. I know that Johnny starts off slow too, but this has also just been, this does not look like the same captain. You really wonder, I thought with the year off, it would be good for him. Um, But he just does not look like the captain that we've all been spoiled by. I know that comes with age. Uh, Heck, I had a hard time getting up out of bed this morning. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I just, I, that's been disappointing, but it sounds like to me, I was taking my kids for donuts and I just turned on late, but it sounds like you guys too think there's a coaching change coming. And then the last thing that I'm just wondering about is um, how much longer does, uh, you know, Flurry have with us. He mm-hmm. has got to be beside himself. Um, he's been used to an excellence of winning. 
Um, and uh, so love the show, guys. Keep up the good work. I know it's hard to put a positive spin on things when things are as poor as what they are, but I believe that we can turn it around and uh, don't quit the show just because things are so bad. Hey, only your day, closest okay? friends can call you rich, right? So we'll... Yeah, that's right. That's right, okay. guys. All right, All right Dickie. <laughs> All right, yeah. Rick, take it easy. Yeah, yeah take care. Uh, he nice. brings up a lot of points there. Let's start with Marc-Andre Fleury. Now, this is not what Marc-Andre signed up for, uh, but it's it's one that he probably thought he was getting himself into to a degree. Part of the reason why he had his best season last year was because he had Vegas's defense in front of him that were blocking shots and not giving up a lot. So that's probably in those 72 hours or so that it took from him to from the day he found out on social media that he was traded to the Blackhawks to saying that he was going to come to Chicago. That was probably some of the, the vetting that he went through looking at the, at what has gone on. And then he was presented all the moves that this team made. And there were a lot. Seth Jones, Jake McCabe, uh, Tyler Johnson. And he probably said, all right, you know what? They've improved their defense. They've got some young D coming in like the Kalinucks of the world. Caleb Jones, uh, Ian Mitchell, maybe. Okay, let, let, let's give this a ride. I got one year left on my deal, $6 million. I'm not going to walk away from that. My my family will get acclimated here in Chicago, and we'll, we'll see where this thing goes. Well, it, it hasn't gone well for him. You know, he gets off to those rocky starts, four allowed, four allowed, four allowed, six allowed, and then he strung together Three good starts, four, four decent starts, two really good starts. But that's, you know, when this team has had success in recent years, they've been goalie wins, right, Brian? And talked to Lincoln in last year. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, and, and special teams and, and, and goaltending. And again, I mean, even strength. I mean, it, it's a misnomer to even say that Hawks play even strength because. What was a yesterday a season low in eighteen well, five yeah eighteen shots on yeah, goal five high danger chances in the slot right um, I mean there's no there there and then you mentioned Seth Jones in in his brain cramp to start the game and not out be, uh, to be outdone Gustafsson has a you know he does what he does is just turn over and into the back of the net and then he's a been lazy pass really, like, Gustafson has been really disappointing brutal. and and brutal. he will yeah. not when Kalnuck gets healthy and returns and hey Riley Stillman's going to be your savior at some point I Stillman will be back he wasn't able to play last night because of Canadian COVID protocol he's out of protocol here huh. but it wasn't long enough uh, to fit but, the I mean, standards Calvin for. DeHaan's, Calvin DeHaan's lazy pass at the end of the game that leads to yeah. the last goal. I mean, it's just like it was almost like I don't care. I mean, that that's when when you see that kind of play, it's like let's get out of here. Too many of those nights, right? Where yeah. you don't have the right the the good start, and then you just you give up two goals the other night when you had that game in the in the bag or should have at home. Um, it's just it's it's so disappointing. And we'll talk to Charlie about. You know, he's he's the numbers behind the numbers guy, and it was great last night in studio with you. But you know, grading out Seth Jones and on Mark Andre Fleury, uh, you know, people on on Twitter were trying to figure out, okay, you, can you trade him with the way things are going for him? Does he even have interest? He talked about retirement. If it's not going to work oh, out here, does oh, he want to pack will, up and move again? If if Mark Andre is on board, he will be moved. 
Absolutely. Right. I, I, well, I, I and, mean, and, he... and let's have this conversation. Duncan Keith waived his no movement clause to, to go out west. Everything's changed with this organization. So everything's changed because of the, the Kyle Beach um, report and everything, the, the fallout. Do you have that conversation with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves sometime? And who does? I mean, right now we don't know who's running the show. I mean, it's Kyle Davidson, but is it? At some point, do you have to say, we, we just need to get what we can get with all the best assets we have, and we start with one and one A. And who knows? Maybe they're, they're amicable to, to at least having that conversation and figure out if there's a place, a landing spot for them. All right. I'll get into that part of the equation. Uh, what's next for 88 and 19? We want your calls. 312-332-3776. Where do the Hawks go from here? Can they turn this 1-9 and 2 season around? If you were in the Wurtz's inner circle... What would your plan or pitch be to them? 312-332-3776. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank studios in downtown Chicago. Wish we were talking about a uh, more successful team on the ice right now. One nine and two, a lot of head scratching. And uh, where do we go from here? If you were in the Wurtz's inner circle, what would your pitch or plan be? Let's go to the phone lines and let's go to Mark in Colorado. You're up next on the hockey show. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing eh. Okay. <laughs> uh, totally agree. Mark Crawford behind the bench. And let me throw a name out there. I don't know how much you guys have discussed it or not. But head of hockey ops, a guy who lives right there in Chicago, Eddie Olchuk. He would kill to have that job. He loves the Blackhawks. You can tell when... Uh, when he does one of their games on national TV, the, the, the team's colors just run through his veins. Uh, so I would be all for Eddie Elt, and he knows what he's doing. He uh, knows what he's doing. All right, Mark, great call. Um, now, first, I, I think Eddie is, there's nobody more passionate about hockey and the Chicago Blackhawks than Eddie Olchek. Um, he has had some front office experience. He's had coaching experience. He knows this league like the back of his hand. Uh, I think he will probably get a interview, or at least the, the uh, they will talk to him in this process. I don't know if it'll sync up. Brian, your thoughts on on Edzo joining the Blackhawks in a hockey ops capacity? Um, I think he'd be terrific. I think most of Blackhawks nation, I think the fans would love to see that. It would help. In so many different ways, I think, one, he'd be more than capable for the job and he'd have some immediate thoughts. And uh, he'd also go a long way to help, you know, healing this thing. And he'd be he'd be a great choice. Um, it's um, I haven't talked to him about it specifically. 
I don't think he's interested in going behind the bench. I think running a hockey operations and certainly the Blackhawks operations would be very appealing to him. Um, he has a wonderful gig right now. Um, so it would take them to, to let him know that he would have autonomy to do whatever he wants. So um, that said, you know, if Edzo, he should get an interview. If he doesn't, then there's something really wrong uh, on West Madison Street. But the, to do your due diligence, you need to speak to a lot more people than one, whether it's my buddy Edzo or not. You need to make sure you've, you've you know, interviewed every everyone that is identified to you as, as someone who can help you out. So, um, again, I want to hear from somebody that they are, in fact, having a search currently uh, for the president of hockey operations, because before you, until you get that situation solved, uh, the coaching Mark Crawford as an interim is, is fine. It'll be probably better than it can't be any worse than what we're seeing right now. Um, but beyond that, you have to let the the new president of hockey ops do what he wants to do and, and when he wants to do it. You brought up before the last break the futures of, of Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves. And I, I think you were basically saying to expedite this rebuild, is it time to ask one or both or neither uh, if they'd be willing to waive their no trade and get assets for them? Was that, did I, did I uh, Correct. represent I mean, you? Be, yeah. I mean, because we, we, you know, most of us believe that they don't want to go anywhere and they obviously have the power not to go anywhere, but Duncan Keith was moved before we had the full gravity of, of the Kyle Beach um, uh, situation report fallout. Um, even but that, Jonathan, but that was Duncan's choice. He went to management, yeah, wanted to get, yeah, right. So now maybe Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are looking at the entirety of it. Um, a, a losing team, not that they want to quit on their team by any means, but where's this organization going? And and the the blueprint that Stan Bowman had um, is you know Stan's not here, and, and I don't assume the new president of hockey ops is going to pick up that blueprint and follow through on it. So. You are starting from scratch in a lot of respects. Do they want to be part of this? And and also with the taint of the Kyle Beach investigation, you know, maybe they would just say, if if I can help the organization out by maximizing your assets, go ahead and see what you can get for me. And if it makes sense, I'm willing to go. If it makes sense to where if you can find a place I want to go to. So both have uh, this year and one more year left on their deals at a cap hit of ten point five million each. Uh, Johnny's 33. Patrick will turn 33 later on this month. Uh, Patrick's still playing at a, at a very high level, even though he is dealing with a nagging injury. I mean, the guy was off for 10 days, mm-hmm. was not allowed to leave his place. He was under quarantine. He could not even do cardio workouts because they don't want you doing that when you uh, he was symptomatic at the beginning Um of his COVID-19 experience. And, you know, he, he basically, the only time he hit the ice was the morning skate 10 days after he had, had started uh, COVID protocol. He goes out that night, has a hat trick and an assist. And if you saw his reaction, that doesn't look like a guy to me that wants to leave Chicago anytime soon. To me, 88, in my, again, my opinion from my vantage point, I think he wants to finish his career here. I think 19 would like to also. I don't know if where Johnny's at in, you know, his hockey path, if that lines up with what 
the Hawks want to do. See, my my thought on Patrick is Patrick could play till he's 40. Sure. And he is proven at age 32 right now or 33 almost that he's a top 10 player in this league. You could be good again and Kane can be a part of that solution. You move aging stars when the timeline doesn't sync up to when you think you can win again. Taves, I think, is a different story. It's a completely different story. He's he's not the same player Patrick is. Patrick is is continuing to reinvent himself, change his game each and every year. And Taves, you know, plays a much harder game, all situations, defensive minded, leading to offense. Um, so yeah, there, there's there's a lot there. I I don't know what you could get for Taves. Like right now, with a one year left on his deal, I you know I I think somebody would definitely give you some draft equity. Uh, but obviously, Patrick would be the bigger haul. If yeah, no, you, no doubt, PB. But I'm, and I agree with you. I don't think probably either one of them want to go, but it shouldn't stop you from at least having that conversation once you get the president of hockey operations installed. Whether you make Kyle Davidson the permanent choice or you go out and you know have this exhaustive search and find somebody at that point where they are in their season, their careers. Uh, that you know they might give you it might be a quick conversation thanks but no thanks you know we're here and when we want to we want to be part of the solution not you know whatever but i don't think i think it's a disservice to the organization if you don't at least you know have that conversation whether it's a five-minute deal or see what you can get and here are the list of places i i'm willing to go and a lot of things have to sync up as you said you have you know cap cap space issues for teams age health um, where they're at in their careers, it, it, probably a long shot on either. But if you're really truly going to move forward here with the new president of hockey operations, I think everything needs to be on the table. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. It's brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Let's give away some tickets. How about two four-packs to tonight's game at Allstate against the Manitoba Moose? Uh, the Wolves own the most road wins in the AHL with four. They share the league's longest active winning streak at five games. And they have the league's leading scorer, their captain, Andrew Puderowski, who just won Player of the Week honor. So tonight's game against Manitoba, 7 o'clock, All-State. We're giving away two four-packs, callers 10 and caller 20. 312-332-3776. You're going to see the Chicago Wolves tonight against Manitoba. We're coming back with Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. I need more cowbell, and I need a couple more wins on the ice. Welcome back to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. It's uh, my pleasure to welcome in a guy that I just can't shake. Podcasts, intermissions, pre- and post-game. Last night with Kaylee Chelios, it was Charlie Romeliotis, my big Greek post-game show. (laughs) Charlie Romeliotis joins us now on the Hockey Show. How are you doing this morning, Charlie? What's going on? I'm still trying to think of your Greek last name, Pat. It's a work in progress. Boy, Boyleotis isn't isn't grabbing it for you. 
Boilopolis, I think. Bo- maybe. There you go. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. But yeah, Charlie, you're wearing a turtleneck. That's all I really want. <laughs> I don't. But you know what? The weather's going to start turning here soon, so I should probably go stocking up on uh, some turtlenecks. Does that, does, see, when, yeah, Colby. I, I mean, I don't even have a turtleneck, and I'm old. I, I, you know, God bless them. They look good in it. Though. They pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get into uh, the, the the task at hand, trying to figure out this hockey team. Look, look, we're at practice every Zoom that that, uh, Jeremy Colleton does. And, you know, full disclosure, you and I both like him. We've had some great conversations with him over the years. We were the ones that went on the record when he was in Rockford and said he wouldn't be in the AHL long. I'm looking at a, you know, frustrated coach, obviously. has been dealt a, a tough hand here, certainly with everything that this organization is going through. But are the players in sync with Jeremy's plan, do you think? Like, are they tuning him out? Yeah, I don't know. When you have such a such a terrible start the way the Blackhawks did and, and the expectations were, were so so elevated going into the year, and, you know, all the talk was around training camp is we, we embrace the expectations. Like, we want to be – we want to put this pressure on ourselves to be a potential playoff team because it, it's been years where the Blackhawks have been on the outside – and it's difficult when when you have a start like this where you have one win basically through almost the first month of the season. Like, I, I think everyone's got to look in the mirror. And Jeremy Colton said it yesterday, too. He said no one's happy with where we're at. And I think individually, coaches, players, management, ownership group, we all have to look in the mirror. And so I think this is where moving forward, Pat, I think, I think we have to hear from someone in the front office because it, it really does feel like, even the players are probably like, all right, what's what's happening now? Like, w- like we have only one win. Like, is something going to happen? I, I know there's a lot of stuff going on off the ice, but we ha- we have to hear someone from the front office to to kind of give a sense of direction moving forward. Whether that's a vote of confidence to the coaching staff, or whether that whether it's you know we need to make some changes, but something needs to happen because um, I, I don't know how much longer this can go on before it gets unaddressed. I'm glad you said that, Charlie, because that's what we said at least at the start of the show. Uh, you know, Amber alert for Kyle Davidson, and he's in a very tough situation. I get that, but at some point, somebody in hockey operations has to uh, address what's going on or not going on on the ice and and with this team inside the in the dressing room, wherever. And whether it, if you're interim and you're you're ostensibly the guy right now, anyway, um, it's great you're traveling with the team. The fans need to know whether the team's looking nationally for a more permanent president of hockey operations or they have full faith in Kyle that he's going to be that guy. But give everyone a sense of direction. And, you know, it's great to hear Jeremy Colleton talk about defense has to be a priority and you have to want to grind for 60 minutes and, you know, trot out a a cliche that uh, an embattled coach will say in any different sport. Um is as PB alluded to, are the players listening to any of this anymore? Because he he basically has the same message after every loss, and nothing really changes. They have bad starts, they have bad stretches, they have turnovers. Um, you know, you name it, they've had it, and that's why you have one nine and two right now. Yeah, and I think that the challenging part too about you know us calling for for someone to kind of speak out in in the leadership group is there really isn't anyone right now, right? Like Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac are obviously no longer part of the equation. John McDonough obviously got relieved of his duties 18 months ago. And, you know, they hired Danny Wirtz to be, you know, the CEO and, and Jamie Faulkner to run the business side. But 
they had elevated Stan Bowman to be the president of hockey ops and the general manager. So there was no one and two working in the hockey ops. Now it's, it's difficult for me to kind of say, where's Kyle Davidson and all this? I mean, he's 33 years old and he, he like just got thrust into this role. And it wasn't until uh, December of last year where he really got elevated to assistant general manager and was taking on a lot more responsibility. So they really don't have anyone in the, in the leadership department right now that that's got a, uh, significant hockey background to deal with a crisis like this. I think we will hear from Danny Wirtz either via press conference, Zoom-wise, or via press release in the next 48 hours, either tomorrow or even Sunday. And, you know, my guess would be they're they're going to suggest that they've given Kyle Davidson – autonomy to handle hockey ops while they put their search on for a president of hockey operations. And if, if Kyle thinks a move needs to be made behind the bench, they will meet with, he will meet with ownership, present his plan, and they will decide if they want to sign off on it. I think we will get that. I think we will get that message from Danny Wirtz in the next 48 hours. What what do you think, Charlie? Yeah, and I, I think something like that might make sense given what's going on off the ice because obviously if Danny Wirtz does talk, there's going to be a lot of questions off the ice. But I think, I think more timely right now, it, it, well, it's really hard to separate the two, right? Like if you get Danny Wirtz in an interview setting, like you want to ask him about the on-ice hockey club, but it would be um, – you would obviously have to ask him about what's going on off the ice, and maybe he can't comment on, on some of that right now because there's some settlement talks going on with, with Kyle Beach and his representatives. But maybe you do, you know, send out a, a press release of, you know, giving the coaching staff a vote of confidence or maybe just some sort of message to the fan base so it's not just going ignore. Like every every loss that piles up, like we're running out of ways to, to kind of explain it and really running out of questions to ask the players and the coaches after every they're literally the same questions every single day charlie i mean they they literally yeah. are the same questions yeah i mean it's gotten to the point where like i don't even, i don't know what else to ask anymore that we haven't already asked and then anything else you're asking them is just seems like it's reaching for something that's not there right so it's just difficult like it's difficult times right now and and uh yeah we'll, we'll have to see what happens moving forward and my question to you, Charlie, would be, you know, we consider and debate Jeremy Carlton's defensive system that has allowed more scoring chances in the NHL over the last three seasons than any other team, improved to only six worse this year. If it's too complicated, we've had these conversations, uh, Pat and, and, and uh, fans and I have done this last year and the year before. Is it too difficult? Is it the players don't want to play it? Is it the the roster doesn't have the correct players to ex you know to actually execute it at the level he's expecting. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I buy the system argument this year specifically. Like last year and, and years prior, there was definitely a challenge because guys were trying to break out of old habits. And last year, you had such an influx of young guys trying to get on the same page. And, and I know they they added a lot of pieces this year with Seth Jones and Jake McCabe and. Tyler Johnson, even the return of Jonathan Taze, but it doesn't seem like the breakdowns are happening systematically. It seems like they're just not mentally sharp. Like just just look at some of the goals against um, Carolina, or even at, even at the last night against Winnipeg. Like Seth Jones pinches in, and 
and it leads to an odd man rush. Or Eric Gustafson is kind of in an awkward spot. He misses the neutral zone, and then there's another. You know, like it's not like they're they're getting cycled into submission in their own zone, and and guys are losing their men and they're they're confused. It's just they're not mentally sharp right now, and it looks like it's spilling into their confidence, and then they're they're going into games thinking like, okay, we got to score like the first couple goals because even if we're up ahead by multi, have a multi-goal lead, it doesn't feel like it's they're comfortable enough that they can hold it, right? So like even the, you go back to the Toronto game, and they, they were up 2 nothing against Toronto, and it, it still didn't feel comfortable, right? Because they had it, they, did, they didn't know if they could hold that lead, and they didn't. They lost in overtime. So it's like it feels like any time they get a lead, it's not safe, and then any time they're down, it feels like it's, even if it's one to nothing, it feels like they're down three to nothing. Charlie Romeliotis, Blackhawks insider for NBC Sports Chicago, joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you. All right, the five-on-five scoring has been uh, bleak, to say the least. Uh, you and I have uh, pondered the problem over and over. If we were in that the coach's room at Fifth Third Arena and we were trying to present some, uh, some suggestions of... of how you might jumpstart it. What, what would your suggestion be? Would you, would you try to load up two lines and see where that goes? Because trying to balance things out doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, so I think that might be the way to go. And it, it's, it's challenging, Pat, because it, we're, we're going into almost a month in the, into the season, and they had such a rough start at the beginning of the year that – they they really haven't been able to stick with some lines because nothing seems to be working. And I know we talked about this on the podcast last night, but like maybe you do load up with the Brinkett, Taze, and Kane, and, and you load up the second line with Doc and Kubelik and, and Hagel, and, and you just have your top six try to beat their top six and, and let your – because the Blackhawks, the identity of that fourth line is the same. Like Entwistle, Reese, the Reese Johnson types um, – Adam Gaudet's like that. That's going to be interchanged. The only line that's really going to suffer is that third line because then you don't really have the balance. Now, when Tyler Johnson and Henrik Borgstrom come back, like maybe you do have something there. But you know, if not for nothing else, loading up that first line, maybe just to get Jonathan Taze going. Like he still doesn't have a goal this season. Um, I know he's got six assists, but like maybe you just got to get him going. And he's been so good at at faceoffs this year and, and helping the Blackhawks start in the offensive zone and helping them kill penalties. But like. Maybe at some point the offensive scoring needs to come and come from the captain, and maybe it just trickles down to everyone else. So I'm not opposed to that idea, Pat, of just loading up your top your top two lines. We had a caller early, Charlie, talking about Taves and concern of, of where his game is at. You know, I, I haven't been look. I, there's been a lot of uneven performances from these guys. You know, like I I can pretty much everybody but DeBrinket and. Maybe Doc and even Kane has had his moments too. You know, I know he's been dealing with with that nagging undisclosed injury. But where do you stand on where Taves is at with the layoff last year, not playing at all and playing in all situations this year, but really in a third line role? Yeah, I think I would have been more concerned if he looked a little bit off during preseason, but he looked, he looked really good in preseason. And even the first game, he played like 23 minutes and, you know, he, he was averaging more than a point per game. Now I know it's preseason, but it would have been more concerning to me if he, it's like, man, he, he doesn't look right. His legs, his, his legs aren't underneath him. I think he's just having a tough time. Um, just, just breaking through and getting some confidence in the regular season. Um, 
And so it's difficult because, you know, I do think Jonathan Taves is – and I think if, if I go back and look at this, I think historically Jonathan Taves has always been a slow starter. Like, he doesn't really put up points at the beginning of the year. But, like, at some point, now we're, like, going into game 11, 12, 13. Like, it's not, it's not a slow start anymore. It's like, okay, he's got to start producing. So I think over time it will come. And it's kind of bizarre that the, the points aren't coming yet because the power play is having so much success and, and you feel like he – he should be one of the guys that that's part of it, and he is because he's winning so many so many faceoffs that they're they're just starting in the offensive zone. But I'm not entirely concerned about it uh, quite yet. I think once he scores his first and second goal, like maybe you'll see a little bit of you'll see a little bit more jump out of his game. And, and Charlie, you know, uh, Jeremy Calton's already had the Dirk Graham bag skate. Um, he's turned the whiteboard over to him in the middle of the game and the team and said, "Here, come up with your own plays." <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, and um, I, my my question would be: I mean, what, what other motivation? If, assuming he's going to be here for the next, you know, till this thing gets turned around, if he's not going to be relieved of his duties, Pat, I mean, it does seem like the team has tuned him out. I mean, the, the Carpenter no goal yesterday with the offsides that just shows me a mentally weak team at that point. It's two to nothing. Okay, it goes against you. No goal wipes it out. You got to pick it up and move. You know, keep going from there. And next thing you know, it's it's four nothing. So, it just seems like the the team intentionally or unintentionally has stopped listening or or, or stopped caring as to what the coach wants to, to tell them to do. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure exactly what's happening behind the scenes. Like how much you know. Obviously, after I can't even remember which game it was, but they had that they had that closed door meeting after the game where it was like 25 minutes before anybody came to the media. And so I'm sure they're discussing it internally. Maybe if you're Jeremy Colleton, you just get the leadership group. You get Taves, you get Kane, Murphy, Debrinkit, and you just sit in a room and you say, what's not working? Like, what what can we do? Both, you know, Jeremy Colleton can be transparent. What can I do better? And then, you know, maybe the players can say, what can they do better? Just just get the leadership group in a room and, and kind of figure it out, especially, you know, maybe it's not the, the kind of setting where you just want to air it out in, in front of the whole team because – Maybe guys will, will won't be as willing to speak up um, in that large of a setting. So maybe that's an option. Um, but again, I, I do think it has to come from up top. Like right now, I think I think the players are probably looking ahead of them. They're, they're looking above them and saying, "Okay, what what's the direction here? Like this this isn't working right now. So like what? Either give us the vote of confidence of the coaching staff, or or, or tell us something that's changing, or something like that." Where um, you know, the, the players can kind of look at something, and even the coaching staff, because I'm sure they're not feeling great right now either. Charlie, keep up the great work. I'll see you at the United Center tomorrow as the Blackhawks take on the Predators. Thanks, guys. I won't be wearing a mock turtleneck, though, so <laughs> no. don't, don't get your hopes up. Right. Pocket squares, though. Pocket yeah. squares. <laughs> All right, Charlie, Thanks, thank you very much Thanks. for joining us. Coming up, uh, we'll put a bow on the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Don't forget, Chicago's College Tailgate is coming your way at 11 o'clock. Uh, Chris Black and Adam Abdallah are at Fatty's in DeKalb. They're there from 11 to 1 o'clock if you're in the neighborhood. Stop on by Fatty's in DeKalb. Coming back with a hockey show after this. This hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. College football returns to Wrigley Field this fall for the first time since 2010. Join Northwestern Football when they host Purdue in the Wildcats Classic. That's on November 20th. Tickets are on sale right now at cubs.com slash football.
You're listening to The Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. The Hockey Show. Presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. One timers. One timer by Albertson. He's gone. On the hockey show. One time shot. On ESPN 1000. It's time for one timers on the hockey show on ESPN 1000. It's where we scan and the the rest of the National Hockey League and kind of uh, give us our thoughts on some things that piqued our interest. What do you have for us this morning, Brian? Well, if uh, you really want to see good hockey, do yourself a favor <laughs> and get to NHL.com and watch Connor McDavid. Oh, you took mine. Was oh, that, I'm sorry. Was that a sick goal last night that or what? It was a sick goal. He skated through the entirety of the Rangers like he was doing a uh, a cone drill during the, the skills exhibition during All-Star Weekend, right? I mean, he's back and forth, backhanded right through and just made it look so simple. It, I mean, the guy is obviously a superstar for a reason. Just go ahead and and watch that. But speaking of New York, that's where the commissioner of the NHL resides in the NHL offices. And this week, as good a job as uh, Danny Wirtz and Rocky Wirtz did in at least the Zoom meeting presenting the general block findings and and the solemnity with which they undertook that Zoom meeting and and the gravitas they brought to uh, the report and the conclusions, uh, there was then Gary Bettman's Zoom meeting with the media Midweek after meeting with Kyle Beach, Joe Quenville, Sheverdale, uh, um, he and Bill Daly, uh, just it tone was deaf. absolutely tone deaf. Like, like if it was a PR class on how not to handle things, he, they, they would put that it. up there. They, they would, that would be Exhibit A. Uh, you know, and I, I look. I mean, I covered Gary when he became commissioner and had many sit downs in his office in in New York. Whenever we went, and, uh, the Hawks were playing the Rangers, he would. Be gracious enough to grant time and all that. That said, he, you know, he worked for David Stern in the NBA before he took over the top job in the NHL. And commissioners work for owners. I get that. Gary Bettman really works for owners to the point where he doesn't he doesn't get it sometimes. And he certainly didn't get it this week to to the point where he tried to freeze out Rick Westhead. Yeah. So so the investigative reporter from TSN who unearthed most of this stuff and is probably the reason why uh it was actually dealt with and kyle beach's story was told they were freezing him out of the zoom there were there were reporters asking second questions and west had still had not asked a first so they were guilted into asking that the one that yeah, got one, re- me, the- one reporter said could you go please and uh let rick west yeah. ask a question they were shamed into as you said and the, to the point where the, the uh, Professional Hockey Writers Association put out a statement saying Rick's not even a member of our uh, group, but that's unacceptable. How about the question of whether or not John Doe number 2 would get the therapy and the consideration and help from the National Hockey League that Kyle Beach was going to receive? His answer, we'll look into it. That's not the right answer, Gary. No. The, the answer is yes. It's already been looked into. Aldrich was found guilty and served time. There's no, you don't need to vet it out. The courts have already done it. Like, I I couldn't believe the answers, and you knew the questions were coming. How about this? 
So then he he lets out the little nugget that the league was given a heads up in December by the Blackhawks attorney at the time that a lawsuit could be filed, but don't worry, there's no no merit to it. There's nothing here to see. And the league does absolutely no follow-up questions, no investigation of their own when Kyle Beach already has alleged that the league was well aware well before December of, of the allegations he lodged against the Blackhawks. And what league lets a team just say, we got this, don't, don't worry about it, just want to give you a heads up, and then, then you're cleaning up this mess this week the way you did, and you tried to clean it up, and you made it worse. Congrats to William Sabold and Ryan Walsh. They are going to tonight's Chicago Wolves game, and uh, congratulations on the four-pack to tonight's game, and good luck to the Wolves. Uh, that is going to do it for us. Thanks to our producer, Tyler Aki. Brian, uh, let's, let's get a couple wins this week please, and not have to talk please. about just ugly stuff, please. You know what? And if Kyle Davidson wants to join us next week... We are here for you. We're listening. You know what? I will put that request in. Up next, it's a Chicago College tailgate. It's up next with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. They're live from Fatties and DeKalb. That's it for the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. We'll see you next week.